cellular phone rang with a bad impression of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. His hand crawled from under the bed covers to it like a wounded spider. Hello, he weakly croaked. This is your 7 a.m. wake-up call. Thank you for using WakeTech automated phone services. He fell out of bed like an avalanche, and the motion sensors in his room stated matter-of-factly that he had fallen and asked if he required medical assistance. He set the digital readout on the shower to 80 degrees. After washing himself, he dried himself off and got dressed. The mechanical racks of ties, jackets, and pants went jerkily by like bored dancers in a strobe light. He went downstairs to make himself breakfast. He microwaved some instant oatmeal while he looked over the daily news on his PDA. He grabbed his keys off the counter and headed into the garage. The dull thud of his car door reduced the sounds of the engine and the rest of the outside world to a droning hum somewhere far away. He checked his mirrors and backed out the driveway. As one hand pressed the garage door remote to close it, the other hand nimbly leapt to the OnStar onboard navigational computer on the dash console. It mapped out his ride to work, factoring in construction detours and any accidents on the way. As a tinny voice told him where and when to turn, he put on a little background music. Thomas Dolby's She Blinded Me With Science came on the radio. When he arrived at his office, he briskly made his way to the main doors. He lifted his wrist up to the scanner. The scanner hummed in monotone as it read the ID chip under his skin. The chip allowed him to enter the building and automatically clocked him in. He sat down in his cubicle and logged into his laptop. He checked his business account using his company's wireless internet. After hours of emails and remote assistance to his clients, he emailed a filled-out menu form to the noodle restaurant down the street. He had them deliver it to the park across from his office building, where he sat waiting with his PDA out. The courier scanned the ID chip. He paid with an electronic check that would clear inside of an hour. He sat with his Thai noodles and ate, exchanging instant messages on his phone and checking his personal email. Shortly after finishing his lunch, he clocked back in with his ID chip and fell into his chair unceremoniously. With nothing to do until more clients contacted him, he searched for an entirely new wardrobe online, watched uploaded television shows on YouTube, and played video games with an emulator. A co-worker stopped by his private cube world. You heard this one? He stared at his co-worker as blankly as a computer monitor on standby. Two computers are sitting there, and one says, Hey, you hungry? And the second one says, Yeah, I could go for a bite. Get it? There was no laughter. His girlfriend called him as he lazily played a losing game of solitaire. I came over today to drop off some of my stuff, and I couldn't put it anywhere because you have too much goddamn techno crap, she said with venom dripping from the last word. I do? Do you really need 16 jump drives? She inquired incredulously. Well, I'm going to be taking care of all of that tonight. You're not getting it done, are you? Yeah, right after work, he said matter-of-factly. You do and we're over. Her voice sounded like razor wire and attacked dogs. Not when you find out where the vibrating battery extension is. There was a brief pause. Godspeed, she whispered as she hung up. He clocked out at dusk, the main door slamming with a concussive crack from the locking magnetic frame. As he gingerly fingered the one-button remote that unlocked the car and fired up the engine, he was filled with excitement. He arrived at Second Life Laboratories.
The main door required a retinal and palm print scan to enter. With childlike abandon, he looked into the bright light of the eye scanner and pressed his hand against the lime green hand plate below it. The doors slid apart and made a sound seemingly reserved for doors of spacecrafts in science fiction movies. He calmly walked up to the reception desk where a board secretary filed her nails while listening to her MP3 player. Her LCD name display rapidly flashed Denise. Denise looked up through a haze of apathy and pirated hip-hop and cast a look at him that would make bored seem to be life of the party. Down the hall, third on the right, she said, looking back to her MP3 player and playing the machine like a Stradivarius that it wasn't. As he marched diligently where she directed, he was lost in the thought of just how long it had been since he had heard a human voice actually come out of a human. He found an empty room with a turned-down medical table. It was the sterile pale green of hospital walls, or pond scum. At the head of the table was something cruel, shiny, and rounded, like a robot from Lost in Space. As he warily tiptoed into the room like something was going to jump out and assault him, the thin, metallic voice of the doctor chirped from an unseen intercom, like a spring bird in the morning. Hello, how are we today? His neck tightened with a shocked spasm as his head turned haphazardly, looking for a person to go with the disembodied voice. Fine, he answered. His voice hung in the room like a ghost or a guest that refused to leave. I'm in the room next door. The HUD lets me control everything you requested from my coordination center. HUD? Heads up display. These screens show me everything from real-time video to your brain's theta waves and an EKG for your heart. By the way, please calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Just lie back on the table. You might feel a slight pinch before the download. He stretched out along the platform like a tired drunk and closed his eyes. He couldn't tell if it was the combination of air conditioning and his sweat or his nerves blazing with endorphins like a midsummer wildfire that made him shiver. What was described to him as a slight pinch felt more like the human equivalent of a paper jam. The procedure happened so fast he hardly had the time to whimper. He opened his eyes and was met with an alien perception that could only come from two 800 megapixel cameras turning on and adjusting to fluorescent light. He was in a different room now, in a different body. He heard the low humming of his joints as he unconfidently started moving like a newborn colt. He looked down as his new eyes corrected their aperture. His new tungsten steel alloy and titanium body was better than he could have imagined. It ran on a guaranteed 150-year lifespan fusion engine. No more cable modems, RAM upgrades, or looking things up on Google. His new body had a wireless T5 modem, 50 terabytes of hard drive space, and his genitals were Bluetooth enabled. His dermal sensors booted up and flooded his processors with intangible data about what his body should be feeling. His surprised voice squawked from out of a speaker set deep in his metal throat. An invisible web of germ-sized nanomites orbited him, feeding the tactile sensory nodes scattered across his gleaming skin. Every time he required it, he would download the new EMUP, or Emotional Upgrade Patch. They were working on Happy 2.1. It would be on iTunes in three months for $9.99. He clinked and clanked out of the front of the lab like it was Oz and he was the new Tin Man. Children on the street ran up to touch him, as if he were a new bicycle on Christmas. The thinly stretched antenna webbing inside of him lit up as the girlfriend called. Are you, did you, baby, he said, 
sounding like he was inside a soup can, which he basically was, I'll bet, a very high-tech soup can. The future's so bright you'll have to wear shades. I'll just adjust the contrast and brightness. That was Charlie Don't Surf the Web. I'm Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. This episode is called Fill in the Blanks, and it's about writing filler. Filler, well, it sounds bad, is actually very essential to writing any short or long piece. Um, not so much poetry, but... So, I actually do have notes for this episode, because I want to go through each quote-unquote format in terms of short and long-form writing, and discuss how you can build filler, which is just filling in the blanks, as the name of this episode suggests. With a novel, anything like a novel or a novella, you can start with an outline, and you know from A to Z what's going to happen, and you're literally just filling in the blanks with anything else uh, you need action and fleshing out the inciting incident, character backstories, things like that. For something like a short piece, you can use bullet points, a much more truncated version of an outline. You might have only two or three things for a short piece. You know, guy goes uh, off on a ship to explore his wanderlust, gets stranded on an island, and then, you know, returns a changed man, gets off the island, returns a changed man. Well, your filler is obviously what happens when he's on his way to the island, what happens when he's on the island, how does he get off the island, and reflecting on how he's changed once he returns. And you can build that into your outline, and you might end up with a larger outline, which might lead from a short story to a novella. If you have only a few sentences, say something from your idea archive, which I talked about very early on uh, in this show's history, you could just have a few sentences, and you could just start writing, ending up with a short story, and your short story might just be kind of the whiz-bang-pow of a basic plot or um, kind of a more fleshed-out outline, but then you can take it apart and start self-editing for more content. And that's just basically, uh, I, I prefer to do it uh, printing the piece and then going through with a pen or a pencil and just kind of circling things or making notes and saying, this doesn't get explained enough or we can lose this and put this instead. You know, why does this person do this? This could be more descriptive. And I just start putting in ideas to fill out the piece itself. In terms of editing an outline for filler, once again, if you have an outline, let's go with the guy on the island uh, example, you're going to fill in your notes of what happens at sea, what happens on the island, so forth, so on. Does he make a friend? Is it a monkey? Is it a coconut? Is it Wilson the volleyball? Does he get the rollerblades back to the lady? Whatever. Just realized the guy on the island is now me just describing that Tom Hanks movie. Um, there are many ways to, to create filler, and once you have your printed piece, or in my opinion, like in, in how I do it with a printed piece, I just go through and make my notes, and then I go back into usually Microsoft Word and fill in everything. In terms of a, maybe a movie script or a comic book script, you might want to look at continuity. If you go from, have a character go from point A to point B in terms of location, is there anything that needs to happen between point A and point B to work towards your inciting incident or character growth or any kind of conflict. If not, yeah, jump forward. 
um, to he was suddenly in the garage from inside the house. But if, say, a spider drops down uh, while he's walking into the garage and the spider talks to him and, you know, reveals a part of a dream sequence that he had earlier, that may inform what the bad guy is going to do once he gets the bad guy later on in the story, then have that happen. I'm thinking of a lot of weird examples on this episode. So, like I said, look at continuity in terms of a movie script or um, a comic book script. You know, is there anything that could happen? Does it need to happen? And if it doesn't, great. And if it does, fine. If you get to a point where he's at point C in the plot and you're like, well, I didn't set up that he needs to be wearing a yellow hat when he meets the love interest, then go back and, you know, make a note or start writing um, depending on which one you want to do, which whichever one feels more natural or you're motivated to do, and fill in that, you know, he needs to be wearing a yellow hat. Describe the hat. Canary yellow, baby shit yellow. What kind of yellow is it? Uh, is it a muted yellow? So is it tap dancing the line between brown mustard and yellow mustard? However you'd like to describe it, if you'd like. Describe the, the hat's backstory if it has one. Did he get it from his grandfather who fought Nazis in World War II and thought the hat was magic, and that's the hat that's giving him the dreams and allowing him to speak to spiders. Um, something like that might need to be set up, obviously. So in that, you know, just brainstorming some silly ideas, for examples, I've already shown me filling in the blanks. So now it's your turn to do it to your own pieces. And remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading, filler and all, Right on. If you liked this, check out some of our other shows like Mr. Right, Exotic Liability, and No Applause, Just the Clap. You can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.